So I'd tell myself as crazy as this seems, positive af- affirmations, especially when my body was down. I would have this list of things that says like, you are strong, uh, your body is healing, things like that. Or things that like I wanted to be known for, like you are uh, a good boyfriend, you treat people well, you do this. And I would talk myself into that. Today on The Tournament Code, we are joined by John Eric Alford. John Eric grew up just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and was originally committed to Kennesaw State before ultimately signing with Ohio State University. John Eric struggled with numerous health issues in his first four years as a Buckeye, but battled back in his fifth year and competed in the NCAA Regionals and the NCAA National Championships. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, John Eric. I know that you're from Roswell. You and I played a little golf together growing up. And for a while there, I think you were committed to Kennesaw State. And now you're up at Ohio State uh, playing golf. But before that, before Ohio State, before any of that, how'd you get into the game of golf? So I got into the game of golf. um, We just happened to move semi near golf course. My dad played a little bit um and then we found out this club country club of roswell had a great junior deal going on and then um on thursday mornings in the summer they took juniors out and we could play three holes of golf as a young kid and then you could progress as you got older and i uh i never looked back from there but it all started on thursday mornings and i didn't do much more than that uh the whole time so Started at three holes, then six holes, then nine holes. Um, but yeah, it was just Thursday mornings for the longest time. And then when I got in the nine hole league, I would say I was around 10 ish. I, um, that's when I really picked up the game of golf. And that's when I started thinking about tournaments and practicing more than one day a week in the summer. But it was all fun before that. So once you started taking it seriously, what a what changed and b how'd you know that hey i want to take this seriously i want to try because you're good at a few other sports i believe i think you can play a little basketball uh and you might have played football at some point if i recall correctly yeah i played uh football and basketball all the way through high school all the way through senior year um and enjoyed those too i played baseball till about that 10 11 year old and then you're kind of forced with a decision there with how travel baseball goes and that was kind of the first step was like i kind of like golf more than baseball i can't really explain why i didn't like sitting in the dugout i didn't like going to play three games a day i kind of liked chipping and putting i i really had no idea i could take it this far as i have um i would just say I, i started thinking like, hey, I, I, I like to be outside. I like hitting a bunker shot close, things like that. But that's when I started re- realizing that I like to be out here more, um, right around that 10, 11 years old. And then I would say around 14 was when I really was like, oh, I want to go to college for this thing. Uh, so that's when the mindset developed a little bit more then. I started prioritizing summer golf more, asking questions 
because uh, I, I knew absolutely nothing at that point of what to play in or even playing tournaments at all. I think that was when I started playing two-day tournaments was right around 14 years old. Was there a certain time in there that you started taking lessons? And what types of people were you asking those questions to about uh, tournaments and things? So I started taking lessons. I don't really know the exact age. I would say I always had some sort of guidance. Um, but I took some lessons from Jackie Canizio at CCR. She was one of the pros at CCR. I took it around 13 or 14, and it was real simple stuff, I would say. Um, like, I didn't see a video of myself swinging pretty much ever. Uh, I actually was had one of the world's biggest dips at that age. Uh, my head dropped from about my head to my belt almost. <laughs> so, um, but that's where that started. Just the lessons of kind of just learning the game too. Um, really understanding, like I, I didn't know the difference between a chip shot and a flop shot and things like that. And just learning, I would say the basics. I took my first, um, I don't want to say real lesson. That's the wrong word, but um, first kind of advanced lesson with Sean coach. And I've been with him ever since. Um, and I would just say that the part about like asking the questions about college golf, I would say once I went to Sean Coach, I started realizing, uh, I don't know where it's at now, um, but when I was in AJGA was kind of where you needed to be, American junior golf. So I was like, how can I get into these? And I played a preseason event and it kind of took off from from there. When did you start really feeling like, you know, you were competitive in the junior golf space because you figured out, Hey, I'm going to play tournaments at, uh, or two day tournaments at 14. You figure out, Hey, I'm going to start playing in some AJGAs maybe around that time. When did you figure out, Hey, I can play in these. And then beyond that, Oh, Hey, I can maybe win some of these. I can, I can be a really good junior golfer. Yeah. So I cracked the AJGA scene. Thankfully, um, they do this, but there was that preseason event. I finished third there. Uh, so I got some stars and that's kind of what gets you in some events. Um, and then before I kind of started playing well in those, I was playing some other tours kind of that late spring. And all of a sudden, I didn't really know what it was. I, junior golf scoreboard, that's what we used then. But someone told me I was ranked one in Georgia and I, I had no clue. So that's when I was like, hey, I'm... I'm doing okay. <laughs> and then from there, it kind of took off that summer because I, I played well and then I ended up winning one. So that took care of like getting into those events. Um, so yeah, it kind of hit, hit me in, in the face. I would say I was oblivious to it. After you learned that and after you kind of realized, Hey, like I'm pretty good here. Did that affect, you know, your conscientiousness about like, about that when you went to tournaments? Is that anything that ever crossed your mind or was it just like oh cool uh and then you kept on playing like normal i would say for the most part it was oh cool i played like normal but yeah no human beings perfect my senior year i guess it was a little before my senior year but i was in like all the invitationals and that kind of got to me a bit it was an adjustment period it's one thing to be like a big fish in a small pond, but then when you transfer and everybody's hitting the ball far, everybody's, and it was just kind of, it shook me a bit. I would say seeing some names that you kind of only saw 
on the leaderboards like I'd never seen them in person. And all of a sudden you're paired with them in groups and stuff. So I'd say there was an adjustment there, not necessarily a fear factor, but just believing in yourself. Like, oh, this is this is where I'm going to be at. This is the tournaments I play in now. Um, so that was just a, a major adjustment period. Um, and just week to week, it's like, oh, man, relative to the tees, we, we, we were playing in things two over, three over wasn't a good score. You could kind of get, get away with that in some of the other tier events. But once you were in the invitationals, it was just a new, a new ball game. So you start playing really well. You get to number one in junior golf and you start uh, in Georgia and you start getting used to playing in these higher level groups, playing with guys that you've only seen on other leaderboards where you're like, hey, that guy's a world beater. And hey, I'm playing with the world beater. So you start getting to that point. How did you end up deciding to go to Ohio State? And tell us a little bit more about that process. Kind of content, continuing this theme, I kind of popped up on colleges for radars out of nowhere. Um, cause they really, at that point you could still recruit early. I don't think you can anymore. Um, but they were like, who is this sophomore? Cause like Georgia tech and Georgia were all already had their commits since like seventh grade. <laughs> so there was no way they were going to pick up me. Um, so I was just looking around. Um, and I had, this was my sophomore year at this point. I had a decent amount of looks from, uh, anywhere from the power five to, really any mid-major um and i fell upon kennesaw state it was 30 minutes from my house i really liked at that point uh, my my little sister had just been born um and i thought i wanted to stay close to home and i really liked the head coach jay mosley uh fast forward a little bit i played under that verbal commitment for about seven months and then he took the job at osu I'm like, I'm not going up to play for the Buckeyes. I'm not going up north. It's cold. And uh, and I think he knew that. He knew that vibe. And so I opened the recruiting again. Um, I really didn't have much interest in Kennesaw State after that. It's no knock on the coach that was coming in after him. It's just I kind of went there for Coach Mosley. And if I was going to go to a non-Power 5 school, it would be under a certain coach. Um, and then, so once he, he left, I opened it up and I really focused on the power five schools. Uh, and there were some schools that I thought I fell in love with. Um, and I, and I did for the most part, and I was very close to committing to some ACC schools, um, and the North Carolina range, the Duke, the UNC, the, just kind of that style of school, I'd say. And it was it was very funny because I went up and took my visit freezing cold. Uh, we actually, oh, OSU lost the fo- football game to Michigan State. Uh, it snowed in November. <laughs> so you would think like all this is piling up to say I'm definitely not going here. And I I just had a gut feeling. Uh, I saw the indoor space. I knew I could get my work done. I knew the springs were going to be challenging to play golf in. You were, I was going to have to learn a whole new style of game of flighting your golf ball, uh, spinning the golf ball, things like that. And in the wind, um, it just felt right. So that's how I ended up at OSU, uh, long, long story there, but yeah, I went through the ringer twice. You say long story, but you got an even longer story to a degree when it comes to when you got to OSU, 
uh, a lot has happened in your college career. Why don't you just like take your time, walk us through your college career and all the progression uh, and the progression that you've had. Because I remember I went to college and uh, first thing that happened to me, if you recall, is I had a stress fracture in my hand before I even got in the door, essentially. And so that put me out six months. I came back and then two months later, I had one in my foot. Came back three months after that, another one in my foot. And that kind of put me um, in a point where I was like, hey, I don't want to play anymore. And I know that a lot has happened in your college career. So tell us a little bit about that and how you handled that. I think it starts uh, a little bit backwards. We just have to say I'm I'm old as hell for a college guy. This is my sixth year. Um, I could medically have another one if I wanted to. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm not, though. This is my last year. So just putting that out there to start. Um, but yeah, walk on campus. I had a similar situation where I had shoulder pain, but I didn't think anything of it. I thought, uh, I mean, I had had it for like a year and a half at that point. I thought it was just, you know, ice it after the round. Uh, played in one or two round of qualifying. And then um, as I was getting my physical done, uh, your freshman physical that you enter in and they do the ev- everything, uh, the the works, they were moving my shoulders and the standard like pop clip uh, click. And then they're like, what happened? Tell us more. Long story short, I get shoulder surgery a week later. And that was kind of an emotional roller coaster, I would say that week, because I went from thinking our first tournament was Pebble Beach. So I was like, man, this would be so cool if I could qualify for that as a freshman. They were bringing six that week instead of five. So that's a major deal. Uh, for all the college golfers out there, they know that that extra spot is huge. Um, so I was thinking may- maybe I could squeak in there in the five or six, but it wasn't meant to be. I got shoulder surgery. Um, so then I was thinking, okay, full redshirt year. Uh, they told me four to six months recovery. Uh, it was about a 16-month recovery, maybe 18 months. And I tried to come back before that multiple times. It wasn't just a, like me sitting on the couch for 18 months. Um, a lot of different doctor visits. Uh, I saw the Atlanta Hawks doctor. I saw uh, some great physical therapists at Motion Stability uh, in Atlanta. Saw doctors in Columbus. Uh, long story short, we didn't know this, but I had a nerve issue. Don't know at all if it was related to the surgery or not, um, but I had a nerve issue. So I had to clear that up, uh, which took an additional two to three months. Um, so my shoulder was fine. It's great. Uh, praise God. Uh, it's functioning awesome now. Um, so that was one thing. So I get back from that. I'm recovering a little bit but I'm just not feeling well. I had a lot of chronic health issues going on while recovering, which might've been part of the um, nerve issue popping up. So this is my, this is my sophomore year spring. I'm playing in my first tournament and it's our home event. So like the last event of the year and I'm just not feeling good. I'm walking up the fairway, like my feet, feel like sandbags um my spine was very tight from the top to bottom and i shoot 87 in the first round and i'm thinking like this is this is it this is the the end (laughs) uh 
I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm not sure what I signed for my NI, uh, national letter of intent, but I think it was year to year. So I'm like, this is it. I'm, I am, I made a dead man after this. And, um, I played fine in the next round, but beyond that, I thought I was just done with golf in general. Uh, I had could barely move up and down the fairway, but then I bounced back, uh, and had a pretty decent sum summer. So rolling into, uh, into redshirt sophomore year i so my third year academically and then i all the issues come running back i didn't change anything i didn't go to any doctors to get better i just kind of got better and then i got worse again um so at that point i'm like all right i don't know what's going on uh so i go to basically every medical doctor you could name at osu i've been there so any specialization i've seen them all um so I went like the traditional Western medicine route and not only was like all my blood work popping up fine, I couldn't, nobody knew exactly what was happening. I was just being like, oh, you should go see this person. You should go see this person. I was just going in this big circle. So I didn't play at all that fall. Um, I played one event as an individual at Xavier um, and I was just praying uh to god that i got through that 36 whole day uh and i barely did and it was miserable uh so definitely not in golf golf shape at all so that winter i was like all right i gotta start seeing some people uh i gotta figure this thing out and covid absolutely bailed me out that year for an extra year of eligibility it came in the spring and shut things down and um, uh, it's not a good thing, but, um, I tried to make the most of it and cause it basically paused my life for about seven months and I saw a lot of functional medicine doctors. Um, anybody that sees this podcast, they can always reach out to me to see what I did. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, sell my soul to the devil, but about every other thing I could do application wise, I did it. Um, through diet, through um, red light therapy, um, cold showers, breathing, just you name it. Everything in that holistic wellness realm, I did it. Um, and I did it religiously for seven months. And one of the things that really helped me, I'll point it out, is Igasku. It's a posture therapy. Uh, that's what helped me get my body back to where I wouldn't be in pain. Um, and then from there, everything else was mostly energy issues. Um, so I could, I could deal with that and get past that. Um, so that was about eight months. Um, so I'm walking into my red shirt and junior year at this point, play about three events. Um, and for me, that was good. And I was just like, all right, um, I, I'm about to uh, graduate and I'm just going to, you know, go find a job and stuff. But then, um, my dad actually was saying like, you know, you're starting to make progress again. Why don't you just see how the summer goes? And, um, I qualify, I got through locals for the U S open. So I was like, Oh man, at that point, that was the only golf success I had had since 
I mean, I played okay my high school senior year of golf, but it was my worst year of the four. So it was my first bit of success since high school junior year. And it wasn't, uh, looking back at it, it wasn't anything special. I I got out because other people played bad. I shot even par in Cleveland. And it just happened to be cold and the greens weren't that good. And people didn't putt good. But, you know, I needed it. I'll take it. And I went to the Brookside uh, location in Columbus that everyone goes after playing Jack's place. Um, so I got to warm up on the range with a bunch of pros and stuff. Uh, I warmed up between Ricky Fowler and Champ. That was awesome. And I was like, okay, I definitely want to come back. Yeah. So uh, jumping back, you said, you know, Western medicine, and I'm not saying it's in, in a negative way. It, it wasn't necessarily able to find the answer for you when it comes to holistic uh, medicine, there's not necessarily a specific diagnosis always. Was there something that they said like, Hey, here's what we think is wrong with you. Or here's what we, here's why we think you don't feel good. You're not moving good. All those types of things. Uh, or was it just like, we'll try a few different things and see what happens. And then beyond that also, I'd like to learn a little bit more about the posture therapy that you did in order to feel better and what, what that entailed and why it worked. So to start with some of the Western medicine things, um, at first I was getting tested for cancer. And then after that, I had a bunch of the heart monitors on um, for like a week. And once they rolled all that out, I was like, holy smokes, man, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, so that had me like almost in fear. And again, we're all human. Uh, Mentally, that did some damage to me because I'm like, what do I possibly have? You know, like I really started thinking something was wrong, that I was broke. They basically said that I had a terrible inflammation issue um, and that I had Arnold Chiari in my spine. That's when your brainstem, it all goes down a little bit in your neck. Um, Mine happened to be a little bit farther down than the rest. Uh, just why my voice is a little raspy and it also makes my mind a little bit posy. So I, they knew I had that. Um, outside that, they really didn't know much. They tried a lot of different medications to treat the symptoms. They were throwing some medications at me um, that I didn't necessarily know what their names were, big big words and some of the medications I had adverse reactions to um, because the way they, they were doing it was they were seeing like, Oh, if this medication works, it might be this because that's how like lost we, we, we were and the, what was going on um, because nothing was adding up. Like my spine hurt so, so bad and it was in my legs and burning in my legs yet. I have like a perfect MRI and x-ray. Um, and like I saw any chiropractor and they were all like, it, it looks pretty good. So then rolling into the Egoscue, if that answered your question, did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, rolling into the Egoscue, that's the first thing I I found kind of, I wouldn't really call them holistic, but maybe biohacking is the word. The way they do is a little differently. Igoscu, Pete Igoscu is the guy's name. He developed this system from 
I believe from veterans that came back that had all these chronic injuries, chronic symptoms from war. And so he owns the Igascu method is what it's called. And it, it really changed my life um, because I had some chronic posture issues. So there's the law of balance they talk about where your body's 90-90. And it doesn't matter if that's from the front or the side. Uh, you should be like stacked, basically, your bones. And if your bones are stacked, all your organs are going to be in line. Your muscles are going to be in line. You're going to feel better. Um, simple concept, but getting the body to that uh, is is harder to do. And my posture was really messed up. You wouldn't see me walking down the street and be like, that guy's slouching. But I was I was very far on my toes. I also had some serious one side issues going on, uh, like every golfer does. So yeah, I, I do these exercises every day with them. Um, and I was on FaceTime with them a lot. And then the other thing I did with them was this thing called a tower. And I would lay my foot in a tower and it kind of pulls it. And that's what we got to really loosen up my spine. It's the only thing that I found that loosens up my spine. And I was in that for an hour a day. So total, I was doing Egoscu things for about two hours a day. Obviously, I was on the extreme side. They don't do that with every client. Um, but that's what I mean. Just like a just dedication to like, I'm going to figure this out. So I kind of shifted my mindset between like asking the doctors what's wrong with me and being like, if you were to maximize a human being and maximize your uh, potential, your energy, just if you were going to make a human being live the most efficient life they could, what would their body look like? What would they be eating? What would they be saying? And I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone, but that's what worked for for me. Just started making major, major changes. Uh, I told myself consistently, I'm bent, not broken. Um, and I just needed to be bent, bent back in, in shape. Um, and it's the most little things that stack up too. Like I put my phone away and I put it away about an hour before bed. Um, and I don't touch it and I sleep better and yeah, just working out in the mornings, things like that. How did you find out about some of these methods of treatment? And when you did decide to, to go into that, did you get any pushback from players or not from coaches or family or friends? Um, I would say decided, I decided I found that stuff by deciding that I'm going to do this thing. Um, can't really tell you why I had that mindset shift, but at some point I was just like, enough is enough. I've been trying to go to doctors for like, at that point, about 12 months, hadn't seen any results. And I'm like, I'm not just going to like give my life away. I made it very, very radical. Um, and once I decided to do, to do that, obviously I did just anything I could do, got down Google Hole, got down YouTube, started taking notes, started seeing 
what I thought was legit, what other people thought was legit, and then seeing kind of being able to find people I trust and see what they say about things. Um, and that, that was a lot. I didn't just happen to find Igoski. It took me about two, two, two months to find him. Um, and I didn't, Dr. Kenodia in, I think his, the clinic is called Kenodia's clinic. Uh, anyways, it's in Westerville, um, just outside of Columbus. He helped out a lot too. I didn't just magically find him. I had to go through about three or four, I would say bad functional medicine visits where I'm like, this just isn't working. Um, and yeah, unfortunately spent a little bit of money with that too, but, uh, just that pursuit, I would say. So it was about two to three months of researching and taking notes and trial and error. And then I kind of like found, I guess that's the hot word right now, but my team, um, of functional medicine people and, and the Igoscu and then I could just, and just realizing what works and doesn't work for me. Uh, as far as friends and family, uh, my roommates were shocked, I would say. Uh, you can imagine a college kid. Um, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to meal prep and this is what I'm eating. I would eat um, not all the time. This wasn't like my breakfast every morning, but if it needed to be, it'd be grilled chicken, carrots, hummus, you, na you name it. Um, no packaged food. I mean, just completely, I was a complete outcast from that, from that standpoint of college, like alcohol, like is not going to touch my, my body. Um, so I didn't drink too much before that anyways, but it was just a total 180. Um, so I'd say my teammates that really cared for me, um, were happy about it. At that point I've been dating my girlfriend uh, now wife, um, for about three months. So that was probably the craziest thing. She's like, what have I gotten myself into this guy three months later showing his true colors. <laughs> but it was, it was funny cause we kind of went through that together and we're stronger because of that. Um, and then family, I would say that's the hard thing, you know, coming home for the holidays, uh, my immediate family gets it. But, you know, if you see some somebody, I mean, what am I supposed to tell my grand my grandmother when I, she sees me uh, eating something at the table and I'm eating a pound of red meat like that's. Uh, so there's some points where I kind of pick my battles where I don't try to explain things like I know it works for me. And I also am careful not to advocate things for other people because I, I don't know what they need. Um, like I, I have to eat very nutrient dense uh, foods. So I eat like very, very heavy red meat. I eat, um, I eat sometimes organs. I eat a lot of, I drink a lot of like heavier milk, a lot of full fat because my body doesn't soak up nutrients well. Um, so I'm not advocating that for anyone. I'm not like an Instagram guy, but it's definitely been unique seeing other people have to eat around me. <laughs> it can be hard with that family pressure. It's unique to hear though, kind of how your diet changed. Uh, and I think these are things and just the general 
patterns that you've changed? Because these are the things that I think that uh, I've found I found over the past couple of years, as far as like cold showers in the morning, uh, working out in the morning. I use um, like artificial. I get up at four thirty, so I use artificial sunlight to try to uh, set my clock well, make sure I got everything going and make sure my, um, circadian rhythm is timed right. When it came to doing that, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to do that in college when everyone's living differently than you. It's a lot easier. I had, uh, I had roommates who would, you know, not do anything like play video games till midnight and then get up, pop two monsters or something like that and sit out and study till three 30. And, what you're doing is essentially kind of what an adult has to do in the sense that you don't have the luxury of foregoing responsibility because you're young and healthy, because in this case you're young, but the healthiness wasn't there. So you had to act like an adult. You had to do things like an adult in an environment where oftentimes, you know, you can be a kid. You don't, there's a, there's a lot of leeway in college. What was that like trying to do that and get yourself back to he healthy despite, you know, all the other opportunities to make poor decisions. I'm not going to pat myself on the back at all. I mean, COVID definitely helped me out in the sense of it got the ball rolling. I didn't just magically wake up and be like, I'm going to do this. Like <laughs> I kind of was forced into the deep thought cham chamber. And I think that's where it started though, was just having a lot of quiet time. Um, so once you kind of identify your core values and what you stand for, what you think life's worth living for, things of that matter, um, and just get very real with yourself, um, I feel like those responsibilities are a little bit easier um, because then it's just like it's who you you are, uh, and that's what I decided for for myself. Like I am these things. I am discipline. Um, because I'm I'm not a motivated human being. Like uh, my wife can tell you this: if you put sweets in front of me for long for long enough, I will smash them. And I I still definitely enjoy food and things. Um, I don't. I'm not just like a hundred percent religious, but I it is it is about the discipline and it is about deciding what you're going to be and who you're going to be. Um, and once you do that, I mean you don't have to judge other people for what they're doing, but you're not really worried about what they're doing either. You just kind of take on that mindset a little earlier, I guess, in life. Um, but I just feel like college kids don't have enough time for that. And I really feel like it impacts golf a lot. Um, Cause you're not, a lot of college golfers aren't thinking about meditation. They're not thinking about where their head's at. Um, and they just think about, oh, gosh, I got to hit all these balls. I got to get this right. I got to get this right. I mean, it's true. There's a lot of physical work. Um, but just who you are, it's what you do every day. doesn't matter the day. Yeah, Christmas, I'll take it off. Um, but there's very few days in a calendar year that you're not going to do the stuff that is who you are and what you're about. Um, I am much more than golf as a person, but I am a, I am dedication. I am discipline and my daily routine. I'm, I'm not going to miss my daily routines. Um, and then from a standpoint of that with golf, like I have so much mental clarity 
about what I'm doing um, and like what I need to do for golf. Um, so it's kind of like a two headed thing there. I feel like of like you, once you address kind of that social issue, I feel like it makes you kind of the, I'd say like you're the boss of yourself. You really kind of like take that for the first time in your life. And then that transitions into golf so much easier. Like if you're, um, if your coach thinks it's a seven iron and you, and you think it's an eight, like you're going to have no issues saying I'm going to hit the eight. Um, and just little things like that. I would say, yeah, you have to live with the decisions you make and you take responsibility like that. It, it can be, um, a changing factor. And as far as for people like, you know, golfers and other people who it's, it's easy to get sidetracked for everybody. And I can tell you a story. I'm going to keep it anonymous. Um, but there was like, as far as like golfers just being not disciplined or like having, having trouble sometimes with those things, there was a college golfer, not me or anyone that any of us know, but a a college golfer that was getting ready. Everyone was getting ready for essentially the one conference tournament and they got up, they're going to, the van was supposed to leave at 5am to get down there. And they call this guy. He's there like two man, one man can't get a hold of him. Can't get a hold of him. Uh, everyone's looking around, can't find him. And so after an hour, 6am, uh, they're like, okay, someone go to his apartment. And so, uh, the coach is going to head that way, but the player, uh, one of the players is like, Hey, like I better get there fast beforehand just to make sure like just to make sure if there's a problem, we can uh, deal with it before the coach sees anything bad. They go to the apartment and this guy is packing furiously uh, and his clothes are soaking wet. And like, man, like, why are your clothes soaking wet? He's like, well, I think last night I went out and drank too much. And then I got in the shower with my clothes on uh, and I fell asleep in it. Uh, and so that's the night before a conference tournament. And so it's easy, uh, to get away from the discipline that you need, especially in big moments. And it sounds like you're very disciplined. As you said, what sort of mental coaching have you gone through to try to maintain that and keep that and develop that? A few authors come to mind. Uh, Joshua Medcalf is pretty good. I think his most popular book is chop wood, carry water. Um, but I would say mostly, I would say the book that has had the biggest impact, um, is Atomic Habits by James Clear, because he's just, he was so authentic and vulnerable with it and basically said, like, look, like human beings are not as strong as you think you are. You need habits. Um, and that, that's not necessarily mental coaching, but Again, like discipline, where does that come from? For me, it's mo- momentum. Um, that's why I don't miss days, because if you miss back-to-back days, it's going to be very hard to start again. Um, so you just simply don't miss it. Um, so that started with things like habit stacking. So I'd tell myself, as crazy as this seems, positive af- affirmations, especially when my body was down. I would have this list of things that says like, you are strong, 
your body is healing, things like that, or things that like I wanted to be known for. Like you are uh, a good boyfriend. You treat people well. You do this, and I would talk myself into that. But I would do it as I'm brushing my teeth. I would put that habit on top of a habit that I already do without thinking about it. Uh, I had an issue drinking water in the morning. I didn't do that. So what I do, I put the cup of water right next um, to my shoes before I went outside. Like I I can't miss it. (laughs) Um, And then same thing when I walked back through campus from my class, I have to do that. What am I going to do? That's when I'm going to listen to um, one of the podcasts I followed. And it was Ben Greenfield Fitness. That's like the wild, wild west. I would say you got to be careful what you're hearing uh, because he interviews anyone and everyone. uh, And, you know, everyone thinks their way is right and rightfully so. Um, Things like that is where I got my mental coaching from. I'd say, but it all comes back to that habit thing. I am a firm, firm believer in the habit stacking and that days pile on days and brick piles on brick. Um, and you're just laying the foundation and then you'll look up and you're going to be way farther than you were. Um, cause am I the most disciplined person? I'd say there's a lot of people out there. Navy SEALs would kick my butt in that category. Um, but I'd say any average human being can start there. Um, and then the last little point I'll ba- make about mental coaching is just to listen to people around you. Um, humble yourself. People have great, great ideas. Um, you can learn from just about anyone. And it doesn't mean you have to learn a lot, but you can learn about anything from anyone. On the topic of you know habits and routines, and all the stuff that you're doing now, including golf and school, what does day to day look like for you? Like once you walk through what a training day looks like for you, a school day and, you know, even a tournament day with your new routines. I'll do today first. I would say this is a training day because I don't have class. Um, so I, I worked out before this. Um, and what that looks like is some strength, a little bit of mobility. And I would say the, and then I do Egoscu after that, but the strength portion is more rest periods because uh, my body still need, needs it. But then I do um, like a flush after. So like any sort of hit workout you've seen, I, I, I just get breathing. I get sweating. I get the de- the detox happening. And, do I, and then I do a lymphatic system flush, which um thankfully nobody has recorded me doing it i'm sure it'll get recorded at some point if i make it big in golf but i basically uh jump around and i'm getting my body up and down and i'm like whittling my elbows and hands um because we have hundreds of these lymph nodes in our body and they just and my job in the morning is to flush out the waste um so i'm doing that i'm looking like a clown for about a minute and a half uh and then i go take a cold shower um i don't do a huge fast but i do a little fast like i won't eat until i probably go out and practice around 9 30 that period between uh read recovery that's when i'll do some uh, more of the egoscu stuff um and i also use a beamer mat 
that's like a P P E M F mat that's been around for a while. Um, and you can look it up, but basically it's just another way to get circulation in your body faster. Um, and get basically new oxygen in your body. So I, I do that. And um, that's when my reading's done. And training days will look different uh, upon the year, but this is just how it's scheduled right now. Because as I said, I'm in Georgia and nothing's going to be usable before 9.30 anyways. So that's when I get all this done. Um, but I would say pretty much I'm a big believer to, uh, just as Daniel said, but of this of the circadian rhythm. Obviously, we travel and golf, so just try our best. But, I mean, I'm pretty much going to wake up around the same time every day. And then as far as golf goes, that'll change day to day. Um, but I would say in general, anytime I can right now with the situation I'm in of being at OSU, if I can play, I'm playing um, when I'm down south in the winter. So I'll, I'll play today. I played yesterday. Um so that'll be at least 18. If I can get in more, I will, uh, just depending on the T-sheet and all that. And then I have my putting practice for about an hour. And that's, I've laid out my putting practice pretty similar to Steph Curry's shooting routine. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that, but he does basically the same thing before every game. That's what my putting looks like. Tell us about what that's like. Okay, so I picked a lot of this from Dr. Mo, uh, Morris Pickens and Sea Island. I'm not a, I'm not that smart of a dude, um, but I, I'm just learning from people. So start line technique work, five, 10 minutes, whatever anybody does, those drills will also change depending on the day. Um, but only 10 minutes caps of that because you can't really do, in, in my opinion, more than 10 minutes of that is you're losing the benefit. You're just kind of wasting your time. Uh, so then the next thing I go into speed drills. Um, I use, I saw y'all had Scott Fawcett. I use his, his coin drill. So I think that's pretty good. That's about the best it gets. I'll mix up variations of that to keep it fresh. Um, but a coin drill of basically stopping your ball as fast as you can in the area you want. Um, and just having just complete control of the ball. That's all I'm focused on too. Like I was solely focused on technique. Then I'm transitioning into solely speed. And then my next step is I apply that speed. So I want to get at least four two putts in a in a in a row from 35 feet or more. Um, but I don't go normally outside like 50 feet because you don't have a lot of those. Uh unless you know I'm going to play big green com complex or something, I'll switch it up. Um and then I go into um, I would call it games, but putting games. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make the putts now. Um, and this looks different, but I do a series of strokes gain drills and see where I am relation strokes gain putting. I would say I would do two or three games depending the day, um, two if it's, if I'm shorter on time. And then I always end with, uh, pressure putting. So what I do is I have T's one through nine. I think it chalks out to nine. I'll have to double check. But there's three footers, um, five footers, and two seven and a half footers. 
and those T's are numbered so that I mix them up. I draw, I close my eyes, draw them out, and then I put them down. And so that order is different every time. I'm not just going in a circle. And I go around these T's and I can only miss one putt. Um, so basically just, and that's kind of my belief in putting is just own, own basically six feet and in, seven and a, and a half feet and in, um, and the rest just, just dial in your speed. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, so that's my putting practice. If I'm just woefully off on green reading for the week or wherever I, I, I am, I'll do that same thing too. I'll make a section for purely green reading. I think the best results of putting I've had is to break it up. Like if you're doing start line, I don't think you should be worried about if you're making the putt or not. So I don't believe in doing a start line, putting a start line down and making sure you're making the putt because what if it's breaking a little bit left and you're just pulling it a little bit. Um, so everyone has their different thing, but that's what my putting routine looks like. Very cool. So we've talked about uh, your junior career. We've talked about college, finding a way to get healthy, all that kind of stuff. So you found a way to get healthy and then you were able to get out and play a decent bit this year. How's that been? I would say it's been good. I mean, I played, I played in all the, uh, I played in every event, my redshirt senior year. Uh, and then we went to nationals. Um, so I got to play big tens, regionals and nationals. I only played well at regionals, but, um, that was just good to be around the nation's best. Good to be at gray at gray Hawk. Um, and just play against really good teams, honestly. And it was fun. I thought my college career was done at that point. I didn't really think I was coming back. I left the door open, but I wasn't for sure I was coming back. Um, and then I, I had a pretty good summer. It started out not that great, but not bad. And then in July, I just ramped up. Um, I played the USAM the year previously at Oakmont and just got slaughtered in that afternoon tea, tea time, I, I had no chance. <laughs> Even if I was in the morning too, like I said, that was a transition period. Not that I didn't believe in myself, that I could play at that level, but I went from I went from not playing any tournament golf at all to the USAM, uh, just magically like that. So then the next year, I was a little bit better prepared this year, uh, made it to match play, got beat the first round by Hugo. He's a stud, if he listens to that. Uh, he, he got, he got me good. I mean, when you're at Ridgewood and you're hitting it 320 and you don't miss the fairway, that's going to be pretty much anyone. Uh, the rough was nasty out there. So, um, but yeah, got kind of got rolling, um, and had some good results. So I decided, I decided before the USAM though, that I was coming back for a six year, um, cause that Q school price came out and I was like, man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Um, and I had an opportunity if I came back to finish my master's degree. So it all just aligned, right? Um, so I'm finishing my master's degree this spring and yeah, we've been, we played pretty decent this fall as a team. We finished on a win. I think we're ranked 22 to finish the, the fall. Um, so, 
and we got a great squad. So we're looking to, to get better. We've got a lot of good players on the team. Beautiful. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. The last question we ask every guest is if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would it be? I would say one thing. In Georgia, uh, we played a lot of trees. I would say one thing is to punch out horizontally more often. Uh, that's that's just my golden answer. I've I lost a lot of tournaments trying to bend the ball and it hit that big big ass pine tree and go OB. I know what you mean. There's a lot of them around here, and it's it's easy to get in them and say, "Oh, I got a gap," uh, but very rarely. Is there actually that big of a gap for you? Uh, well, that's beautiful. If people want to reach out to you, learn more from you, um, or just find you on social media, where can they do that? I mean, uh, I got a pretty easy name to find. John John Eric Alford, J-O-N, capital E-R-I-K. If you type that in, uh, last name A-L-F-O-R-D, I'm sure you'll find me. Um, my Instagram's J-E-Alford22, if it doesn't pop up, but... I haven't met anybody else with my first name, so I'm sure you'll find you'll find me out there. Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at thetournamentcode, and on Twitter at tournamentcode. As always, Feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper in what it takes to play elite tournament golf.